Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mike Tomlin's Steelers have lived by the mantra of next man up for a long time. But perhaps no game better embodies that idea than the Week 6 Steelers win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. Steeler fans are familiar with Mike Tomlin's uh, Tomlinism, next man up. The idea being that one player goes down, next man steps up. The subtext, the you know, the, the picture he paints for the team is that of when someone goes down, we don't we don't mope, we don't make excuses, we don't accept losing simply because someone is injured. We expect the next man to come in and we all step up. Now, people have often used this as an, you know, as a thing to say, well, the Steelers, you know, aren't as good without TJ Watt, but, you know, the next man was stepped up. You, you've got to be able to win anyways. Uh, that's not what this is about. It's not about next man up doesn't mean the, the person who fills in is just as good as the person who is out. Ben Roethlisberger, when he was in his prime, uh, was irreplaceable. TJ Watt is irreplaceable. Cameron Hayward, healthy, is irreplaceable. Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, these are people you cannot have a backup on your team that can step up and just fill their role. But the idea is, when you come in, you don't have to be Minka Fitzpatrick. You're the next man up. You have to come in and play and give this team a chance to win. And I want to talk about that this week because there were a lot of players players who stepped up this week, who stepped up in a big way, either with a big game or a big play that gave this team a chance to win. And when you add it all up, you end up with a victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was much needed by the Steelers. who wanted, I mean, one and five and two and four is a very different place to be. And the Steelers are in a little bit better shape uh, right now than they were. And they're still only one game out of the lead in this in the in the AFC North. That's not a bad place to be. The after the bye week, this season gets easier. If the Steelers can hang with, even if it's just, you know, the other teams in the in the AFC North struggle and the Steelers hang close to them, 
the second half of the season, this is a team that could make a push. You get the bye week, you get some, you know, you get TJ Watt back. Uh, you get some good things happen on the injury front and the health front. Uh, this is a team that could push to win the AFC North. And they're in that position because of players who weren't starters and who weren't part of the equation or had been disappointing and stepped up in a big way. We're going to start with the offense. And I want to start with Steven Sims. Gunnar Olszewski uh, was was taken out of that kick returner position. Steven Sims wasn't able to play uh, in week five. It didn't go well. Week six, he shows up. It was not consistently great. He was he was an inconsistent, you know, player. Uh, but th- that eighty nine yard kickoff return uh, set up a you know a touchdown, a big touchdown, an important one. That was huge. Uh, and that's that's a guy who stepped up. Uh, Pat Fryermuth goes down with injury. Connor Hayward has to fill in as the number two tight end. Zach Gentry is the number one tight end. Late in the game there, the defense makes a mistake, and it's Connor Hayward who's there with a 45-yard catch and run. That's a big play. He had an opportunity. He took it. He made a play. That set up, I believe, the last touchdown of the, the Steelers would score in the game, which ended up being the margin of victory. That pass was thrown to him by Mitchell Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky had to come in. Kenny Pickett was injured early in the third quarter. Trubisky comes in. He played really well. What stood out to me watching him play the first time, second time, every time I played is how much different he looked than his others than his starts. He looked more confident, less internally constrained like he was like he was worried he looked he looked more comfortable and confident out there and I think a lot of that honestly I mean I mean there are people right now saying well now Mitch Trubisky has to start people who are saying you got to get Mitch Trubisky out of here and put Kenny Pickett in are now like hey oh Mitch Trubisky played half he's he's got to start well it's a lot different coming in to a game when you don't have the pressure on you, when you don't have, you're not the starter, and the other team isn't prepared for you, then when you're the starter all week and they know what to expect from you, if you get a good defensive coordinator a week to prepare for Mitchell Trubisky, there's some pretty easy things you can do. You know, there's some pretty, uh, there's some things you can put in in a week to say, this is what we got to watch for, guys. This is the kind of motion. This is the kind of throws he can make. This is the, this is where he makes plays, and let's force him to do the things he doesn't do well. Well, the things he doesn't do well are things that Kenny Pickett relies on. So when you have a team set up to defend Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky is like a changeup. You know, when you're sitting on a fastball, Mitch Trubisky is the changeup. And when you're prepared for Mitch Trubisky, you're looking for that changeup. Kenny Pickett is the fastball that just blew past you. That's kind of, that's you know, that's the idea. Uh, you get the idea on that, that these two are different enough that when one is, when you're prepared for one, you're not really prepared for the other. So I, I think that is one thing. I think we saw that with Kenny Pickett against the Jets where they weren't prepared for him. And even with some bad, uh, bad plays and some bad bounces to give him interceptions, some rookie mistakes and some bad bounces, uh, he played really well that game. 
but by now teams are starting to know, you know, they have a, they have a beginner's book on how to defend a Kenny Pickett offense. And he's, I mean, he's a rookie. It's hard to adjust to that. Trubisky came in, in my opinion, played better than he had in any start I've seen him play in quite a while, several years. We'll see if that can transfer to another game. Uh, I I think Mitch Trubisky was kind of playing with house money here. You know what I'm saying? There's, There's not much pressure. Win or lose, whatever you do, it's not on you. Really, it's not it's not going to affect your trajectory. You're already a backup. You've already been benched. So, for me, that team is going to have to look at it during the week. You're probably going to hear uh, the Steelers say they don't know who their starter is just to force teams to kind of prepare for both of them and not be able to, to really buckle down and focus on one of them. We'll see what they're able to do in the future, but I, I, I think right now... Well, let's let's go further. Let's go into this. Let's go into the next player I want to talk about. Uh, Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool with a bounce back game. He hasn't come out of nowhere. He's not a next man up. But, man, he has been struggling this season. And then he has a heck of a game in week six. In the last three games combined, Chase Claypool had 85 yards. 85 yards on 17 targets. In this game, seven targets, 96 yards. We'll bring up, he was five for five for 70, I think 70, 70 70-some yards uh, after Mitch Trubisky came in. Mitch Trubisky and Chase Claypool really took off this game. And I think part of it, this this is why I say part of it is your film stuff, because uh, Trubisky was doing it, rolling out of the pocket a bit, hitting those seam routes. Defenders sit on seam routes against Trubisky. You know you have to be there. In the same way, defenders sit on seam routes to stop Chase Claypool. That's where he does his best damage. They were able to hit that a couple of times. They were able to hit that. Chase Claypool and Mitch Trubisky actually, in my opinion, go well together. Mitch Trubisky is not a touch passer. He is not a touch deep ball passer. He's not dropping in back shoulder throws. We saw that in his struggles to get going with George Pickens and how Kenny Pickett took off with with George Pickens early, throwing those back shoulder throws. That's not Mitch Trubisky's game, and that's not Chase Claypool's game. Chase Claypool isn't a contested catch guy. He's not a back shoulder type of guy. Chase Claypool does much better catching a ball when he can move towards that ball, right? Not when he's kind of running and the ball's coming over his shoulder and he's got to run to it. Uh, or when he has to go up and challenge for a ball. That's not Chase Claypool's strength. So Trubisky and Claypool line up well in the routes they throw well and the routes they run well. And, you know, his throws and how Chase Claypool likes to catch the ball go together well. They haven't really got going this season until this game. Uh, I I predicted at the start of the season, before the season started, I, I had an article out and I said that, you know, who would benefit from which quarterback? And Chase Claypool was the guy I pegged. Looking at how Mitchell Trubisky threw the ball and what routes Chase Claypool was best at, Mitch Trubisky to Chase Claypool looked like that would be the route, that would be the combo you would have to get going for this offense to be good with Mitch Trubisky. And we finally saw it. 
we finally saw it work, and they had two good drives to ice the game. One with a touchdown, and the second drive to run out the the last four minutes of the clock and, and win the game. On those two closing drives, Chase Claypool caught three passes on three targets for 49 yards and a touchdown. And that's two drives. It's pretty good work there. Uh, he ended up being the Steelers' leading receiver, just short of 100 yards. That's that's a great game. If the Steelers can get those two going, I think they could win games with Mitch Trubisky because of the threat, that, that how that would open up things more for Deontay Johnson, uh, maybe open up some things after the catch, get this offense rolling a bit. The problem is, if Mitch Trubisky is the starter our defense is going to be able to shut that down. Can Chase Claypool and Mitch Trubisky, you know, can they be a tandem that works when the defense is prepared for Mitch Trubisky to be the starter? And that's something to watch going forward. uh, If Mitch Trubisky ends up being the starter, Kenny Pickett and Chase Claypool don't work as well together with Kenny Pickett. It's much more about a George Pickens than it is Chase Claypool. Trubisky, it's the opposite. It's it's Chase Claypool is a much bigger part of the offense than George Pickens. That's another big uh, player who stepped up for the Steelers. I do want to cover one player who has been kind of trending downward. And that's Kevin Dotson. Kevin Dotson, in his first season with the Steelers, showed himself to be an absolute mauler in the run game and a very stout one-on-one pass blocker. He has... He, I, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe a, a weird injury he got or something. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if the league has caught up to him and maybe there were some, you know, some things defenders have learned against him that he hasn't been able to counter. Little tricks and, you know, things to do against him that he hasn't been able to learn how to how to to counteract that or if the the scheme just the blocking scheme doesn't fit him at all I don't know I know he hasn't been a favorite of the organization even though you know in the right plays and on the right schemes he seems to be a really good offensive lineman this may be a case of he fit the offensive line then and he doesn't fit where it's trying to go I don't know he was a fourth round pick He turned out really good early. He doesn't look as good now. He had a very rough game in week six. And we'll have to see going forward how he does. He he was significantly better than Kendrick Green has shown. And he's clearly going to be a starter. The Steelers would have to make a move to get someone significantly good to be, you know, replacing him with. But he has been, he has not been trending well recently. And he is another thing to watch and on a game where a lot of players stepped up he was one of the starters who didn't he didn't step up he didn't have a good game now admittedly he is facing you know the heart of the Tampa Bay defensive line but Kevin Dotson early on looked like the kind of lineman that you could take as a guard and say hey you're one-on-one versus the other team's great defensive tackle You know, the kind of player where a team could say, hey, if you're facing a a Cameron Hayward, Kevin Dotson's a guy who can at least handle him. You know, not not shut him down, but at least slow him down 
and, and not let Cameron Hayward really destroy your game plan. He looked like he was becoming that type of player. He's not becoming that type of player right now. That's it for the first half of the show. Uh, we're going to take a little break here. When I come back with the second half, we're going to talk about the Steelers' defense and who stepped up there. See you in a minute. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts, and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you're clicking on all of our Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts, getting all your news and updates and information, opinions, analysis, everything you could want on the Steelers, and also click on over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com where you will find all the information and updates you need to keep tabs, keep tabs and keep up with the Steelers season. In the first half of this show, we talked about offensive players. We talked about some players who stepped up on that side. But the real next man up of this game happened on defense. When the Steelers were down four of their top five defensive backs. The initial defensive backfield, your top five guys, top three cornerbacks and top two safeties. You had Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds at safety. You had Akello Witherspoon, Cameron Sutton, and Levi Wallace at cornerback. The only player of those five to play in this game at all was Terrell Edmonds. Terrell Edmonds played every snap of this game. He was the only defender to play every single snap. Trey Norwood played almost every snap. He missed one snap in this game. He played 71 of 72 defensive snaps. And he played every snap last week against Buffalo. Last week against Buffalo, he was filling in at strong safety for Terrell Edmonds. This week, he's filling in for Minka Fitzpatrick. Very different players, very different roles. It says something about Trey Norwood that the Steelers feel he's their guy at either of those positions. Maybe the if Demonte Kazi was healthy, that would be different. I don't know. We haven't seen that. But Trey Norwood has shown he can fill in for both those guys. He had a few mistakes in the Buffalo game that the Steelers paid for. Uh, but... 
this game he actually played quite well. At the other defensive back positions, uh, Arthur Mallette has been in a rotation as nickel. He's been kind of the, the fourth cornerback this season. He played the nickel this week again. He was, he was in for nickel last week, and he played a good game. Very solid game from Arthur Mallette. The starting cornerbacks, the starting cornerbacks for the Steelers were James Pierre and Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson coming off the practice squad actually played pretty well. I, I haven't gotten to watch the All-22, so I can't dig too much into his game. Uh, he did get he did give up yards, but he didn't get beat. It wasn't a situation where the Steelers couldn't cover for him. And remember, this is a game you don't have Minka Fitzpatrick back there. There's games where the Steelers put in somebody who shouldn't be in there starting at cornerback or in the nickel or something, and they can kind of move Minka Fitzpatrick around a bit to cover for that. Like, if you're going to beat this guy... Uh, they, used to, they used to do this with uh, Mike Hilton a bit when Mike Hilton came back from injury and, and was limited. Uh, it, it was it was kind of a situation where you could beat Milk Hit, Mike Hilton by running deep on him if you're fast, but Minka Fitzpatrick's back there. So are you going to really like test that? Right, You've got to step on Mike Hilton, uh, but Minka Fitzpatrick is, is right around that area, and you're going to have to deal with him if you throw to beat Mike Hilton. They didn't have Minka this game. They didn't have to do that. And uh, Josh Jackson played a very solid game. I, I really look forward to the All-22 because, I, I don't know, it, it seemed like he was actually very good. Uh, but we also know the other team didn't really have film on him much. You don't know their tendencies. You don't know how to attack a quarterback always. Uh, and, and sometimes quarterbacks will just stay away from him until they get a feel for him. And you'll see like a quarterback kind of avoid a new guy in the first half until the receivers start giving him clues on, on what to do to beat this cornerback. And then they can start attacking him. That never really, they never really went after Josh Jackson too much. So I believe he did well. Uh, but I, I want to see where he stands on all 22 film to see if, if this guy is actually pretty good. James Pierre was your other starting cornerback. Two years ago in 2020, James Pierre came in and uh, in, in bit in a little bit of play as an undrafted free agent who didn't get much time in the offseason to work. He was the only undrafted free agent to make the Steelers in that COVID uh, season. And he kind of sat most of the year. He played special teams where he was he's always very good as a gunner. Uh, always. He didn't. Uh, and then. From playing from uh, the gunner spot and the special teams, by the end of the season, he got to play a bit, and he played well. Had a pass breakup in the playoff game against the Browns, which ended with the first Browns drive to not end with points. Uh, I don't think he gave up a single pass completion. In 2021, he actually got to play a bit when, when starters were down, but in that season, he was playing on the left side. And the left side cornerback, like if you think of the field from the offensive offensive side, the left cornerback, it's the Steelers' right cornerback, but he plays on the, the left side of the offense. He doesn't fit that as well. When he played in 2020, he was on the right side filling in for Joe Hayden. And in that Joe Hayden type of role, he showed a lot of promise, a lot of physicality, uh, a lot of good zone play. And and he could he could do well as long as he had help over top. And that is one of the... the the things they were doing then 
with that defense, with how they had Joe Hayden, because Joe Hayden was a great player, but he couldn't run with people anymore quite as much. You didn't want him running with fast receivers. And so they would cover over the top. And James Pierre in that situation was good in 2021. He got absolutely destroyed by T. Higgins uh, in a game where he was starting and he was starting the left side and he was responsible for more deep coverage. This game he came in, he's playing on that offensive right, the defensive left, which is where he did good before. And he did a really good job in this game. Not perfect. He got some penalties, but you're going to get that when you play that physically. And especially when you play a physical receiver like a Mike Adams and you're playing them physically, you know, and and one of you has clout and a name and the other one doesn't, right? You're going to get some penalties there. That's the risk you take. But even if you add those penalties onto the yards he gave up, it wasn't a bad game for James Pierre. It was a good game for James Pierre, and he made several plays and made a lot of throws very tough. Throwing at him was very hard in this game. He stepped up. That secondary stepped up big time and held Tom Brady to one of his less good games against the Steelers and only his fourth loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers of his long career. That secondary did a great job. Really embodied the next man up mantra. But it's also something we've seen with Terrell Austin since 2019. When the secondary is banged up, they still play well. It's kind of interesting. It's it's almost it's a little bit surprising to me because it's almost like Mike Tomlin's teams play better when the odds are stacked against them, and they don't play as well when the odds are stacked in their favor. And then you've got Terrell Austin, who who does really well, gets a lot out of lesser players, uh, and doesn't really do I would say as well with like a star cornerback. He's not a guy you hand a star cornerback to, you know. He does. He's a guy you get so you can do more with less talent at that position. And yet, that and the two of them align for this game where the secondary is completely in shambles, all of its backups, you know, across the board, and they come out and they win the game. I find that fascinating. Almost like, you know, they're better off with they're better off with less good players than they are with good players. I know that's not the case. But it almost feels like that with how they play, with how they coach and how the games go. Going past the uh, defensive backs, the defensive line got Larry Ogajobi and Cameron Hayward. They were both playing, and they were both looked healthy and better this game. They were both made plays. And really, when the interior of that defensive line is doing well, the Steelers do well. The Steelers do well. And with those two playing better than they have recently, uh, the Steelers' defense was a lot better. Of course, DeMarvin Leal, promising young rookie who had moved up to number three on the defensive line snap list most weeks here. He was out. He's on an injured injured reserve now. Chris Wormley uh, took back over the number three spot in snap counts and also played on the edge a bit. Chris Wormley and Isaiah Loudermilk uh, both played on the edge uh, with the Steelers adapting to life without TJ Watt by playing outside linebackers less. And having more downs where they have, you know, three defensive linemen, one outside linebacker, and in either nickel or in a four-three look with all three linebacker middle inside linebackers playing. But uh, Chris Wormley and Isaiah Loudermilk both played outside there. Uh, Isaiah Loudermilk looked like himself, not flashy, not going to make big plays, but but holds the line pretty well. Chris Wormley 
played especially well on the edge. I liked him out there. I think that's a good role for him. I think it's a better role for him than inside, especially against the run. Chris Wormley is not so great on the interior, facing you know double teams from offensive linemen on the run in run defense. He's not good at that. Uh, out there facing tight ends and and the stuff out there, he's much better, much better fit out there. Defensive line played well. They re- they really did. Uh, Cameron Hayward, of course, had a sack. We look at the edge position. Uh, Alex Highsmith. Continues to be a good player for the Steelers. He's he's having a really good season in a year where the Steelers' defense has kind of dropped off. Or he'd probably have even better stats and would probably be standing out a lot more. Highsmith is continuing to hang out at the top of the sack list. We'll see if he can hold that uh, after the Monday night game. There's a chance he'll run that. Uh, but right now, he's still hanging in there right at the top of the sack charts. He's having a great season. And he'd be getting talked about a lot more if it wasn't, you know, expectations based on T.J. Watt in this city for sacks. And, you know, the defense not playing well. If the defense was playing much better, uh, Alex Highsmith would be getting more recognition for the season he is having right now where he's getting after the quarterback a good bit and still being a good run defender. Really coming into his own this year. The, uh, The other guys around him, uh, don't really stand out. I mean, they really just don't stand out. They haven't done much. Probably aren't going to be <laughs> really doing much. Uh, they're just not. They're not those guys. So you, when you're talking about, you know, Malik Reed, when you're talking, he's he's not a stats guy. He's a good effort guy. He's solid. He played right around sixty percent of the snaps this game. That's where the Steelers want him. Jameer Jones and Ryan Anderson played a little bit, but that's. That's kind of where they want him to be. There's sets where he comes in, but a lot of the time they just don't have a second edge rusher in. A decent chunk of the time, they just don't have one in there. And that's where you see Isaiah Loudermill, Chris Wormley on the edge before it was DeVar Medley-Al. That's been working out decently for the Steelers. The inside linebackers, we're seeing, a con- we're seeing continued use of all three. I find it interesting. It looked like Robert Spillane was going to be dropping back and uh, Devin Bush being more, you know, moving up into a more two-man linebacker group with Robert Spillane as the clear number three. That changed this game. Robert Spillane t- played two fewer snacks than My- snaps than Miles Jack did. And while he had some good plays, he had that deflection, he had, he had some good plays in the run game, he had some good plays that showed up overall. I, I don't understand why Robert Spillane is getting these numbers of snaps. I really don't. They don't play three linebackers that often, and he is such a drop-off from Miles Jack. And even Devin Bush this year. Devin Bush is, is doing better. He had some good run stops. He took on some linemen this game. You'll see, you'll see games where Devin Bush has a bad half, uh, where he's a little inconsistent, and you'll see games where he makes better plays. Perhaps that's the reason. Maybe they look at Robert Spillane and say, Devin Bush, if you're not going to give us consistent effort, we're going to play Robert Spillane more. But I think even then it's not a good choice. I don't think that's a good decision. It, it's He just doesn't bring to the field what Devin Bush does, but if the team's not happy with Devin Bush's preparation or consistency of effort 
that's that's where it would make sense, and that's where it kind of does make sense. I want to talk a little bit about special teams here while I have a minute, because uh, I'm going in a game where we're talking about next man up and players who stepped up. I want to talk about some players who have kind of flown under the radar, uh, but have been special teams stalwarts this season. We're gonna start with Derek Watt and Benny Snell. They don't put up flashy stats. They play a ton of special teams. They sit around offense and don't do much. But when they're out there on special teams, they are big-time players on special teams. They are major parts of the special teams. And when you look at NFL rankings, Steelers are one of the top teams in defending in, in punt coverage. They allow some of the, the, the fewest return yards. Presley Harvin the third has been good, not great as a punter, uh, but the Steelers' coverage units have been really good, and, and especially with Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin has become is one heck of a gunner for the Steelers. Uh, James Pierre is normally their other one. This week with him starting, he did not play gunner at all. He was replaced there by Gunnar Olszewski, who did all right. He did pretty good, and uh, also Quincy Morgan. I think the the call-up cornerback got to play there quite a bit too. Miles Boykin had some good plays this game. Uh, Miles Killebrew, Jameer Jones, those guys are step standout players on special teams. Marcus Allen is there consistently. Connor Hayward is really growing in that area. He is consistently getting around the ball now. Uh, he was kind of hit or miss on special teams early on, but he's growing into that role rather quickly. And these... These players have been consistently stand consistently playing well, and one of the one of the not talked about aspects of the Steelers' season so far is the special teams, especially the punt coverage, hasn't really hurt them. Hasn't really hurt them at all, and and that's a big deal in a season where we're going to be looking to turning things around and winning tight games like this one against Tampa Bay. This isn't a Steelers team that's going to be blowing people out. And in those close games, you need a special teams group that can minimize big plays. And the Steelers have been doing that. So those guys stand out. I wanted to, I wanted to give them a little shout-out this week, I feel like, in a, in a next-man-up kind of thing where we're talking about unsung players who play well. Those are guys. Those are guys that stand out when you watch special teams and, and see who's doing it, they're, they're doing a good job back there. And the Steelers special teams coverage units, especially aren't bad. They're not bad at all. The return game hasn't been there. Steven Sims will, will help improve that. We'll see. That is my show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. As always have a great week and let's go Steelers. Steelers.